This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. The Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are a part of the Minute Media Podcast Network. Just a quick disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a homework podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our podcast can be found at Bastards underscore Boston on Twitter. Uh, it's been a pretty eventful last couple of days a lot of major news happening in boston before we get to that i'm going to introduce our other two hosts this evening joining me tonight we have jason kelly coming to you from canton massachusetts by way of westwood massachusetts uh jason how are you and where can fans find you i'm doing all right um certainly doing better than a certain baseball team in this town but uh i think most of us are um, and if you want to come find me and yell at me on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is at color of the iris. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that. Also joining me tonight, we have Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine. Terry, how are you feeling? And also, can you please tell us where we can find you on Twitter? Doing all right. Looking forward to getting into some hot takes that our fans have submitted. This is their show. They completely dictate what we cover, and uh, so glad to have them participating. You can find me on Twitter, at CushmanMLB. Thank you, Terry. Um, so before we begin tonight, uh, some sad news in Boston the late Bill Russell passed away at 88 years old. The six foot ten center who won over 10 titles with Boston, 11 total in his career. The cornerstone of the Boston Celtics dynasty that had a, an eight straight title run with 11 overall died today. He was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2011, the nation's highest civilian honor. At the age of 88, he is unfortunately passed. And what I absolutely loved about Bill Russell, while I never got to see him play myself, there was recently uh, a conversation that LeBron James had had. And LeBron James had omitted Bill Russell somehow from his Mount Rushmore of basketball, selecting Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and Oscar Robertson to adorn that very famous, iconic statue or set of statues and his response was so eloquent it was so i don't care what you think lebron in the most respectful manner possible where he wrote hey thank you for leaving me off your mount rushmore i'm glad you did basketball is a team game it's not for individual honors 
I won back-to-back state championships in high school, back-to-back NCAA championships in college. I won an NBA championship my first year and an NBA championship in my last year and nine in between. That, Mr. James, is etched in stone. That's going to be something that LeBron James is never going to be able to say. I don't think any other player in the NBA will ever be able to do what Bill Russell was able to do. Eight straight titles, 11 in 13 years. An incredible feat. But I just wanted to give him a a little shout-out. It's going to be a little bit more somber as far as the Celtics are concerned now that he has since passed. I know Jason wanted to mention something really quick as well. Yeah, just a, a, an absolute gut punch for the city of Boston uh, to hear that news o- over the weekend. And, um, you know, Bill Russell is on the Boston Mount Rushmore. That's for damn sure. You know, it's Bobby Orr, it's Ted Williams, it's Brady, and then it's Bill Russell. And there's no debate about that whatsoever. So, um, yeah, really sad news. You know, it's he, he's been Mr. Celtic, you know, uh, for, for a long time, really representing the city well. Um He's definitely going to be missed. All right. I'm not a huge basketball guy. I do enjoy uh, the postseason coverage when we get there. But uh, when, when I was little, uh, my grandparents on my dad's side were huge sports fans and were alive during the Celtics run. They sadly didn't live long enough to see any of the uh, Red Sox championships. But they had these uh, glasses in their cupboard. We would occasionally drink out of them. And it had every championship year that the Celtics had won one. And, of course, that 60s run into the early 70s where there was like, as a seven-year-old, I'm like, wow, how could a team win this often? Like, that's amazing. And, um, you know, Bill Russell was a part of that run. So, um just uh just an observation i never um my grandfather passed away when i was uh six so i never really had an adult sports conversation with him so i don't know who his favorite celtics players were but i could imagine they were big bill russell fans of course yeah uh so we're gonna we're gonna slide right in to our hot takes here and jason you are at the poll so i'll let you go first Okay. Um, our first hot take comes from at Boston guy, 1970. And his take is the Orioles will get the last wild card. The Red Sox will finish under 500. And he goes on to say that Alex Cora and Kyan Bloom will get another year, but 2023 is make or break for both of them. Um, so I guess to break that whole thing down, I don't, think the Orioles will get the last wild card. I think the other teams vying for that are better than them. And I think they're going to get better than them um, by the time the trade deadline is over. So I don't see that happening. The Red Sox finishing under 500, I think is absolutely possible. Um, It's, you know, if, if they trend the way they have been, it will happen. As far as Bloom and Cora, no one's getting fired. After this year, we know that. I think that would be pretty extreme. In terms of, you know, will next year be make or break for both of them? I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think Cora at least has a little more rope because he did win a World Series not all that long ago. 
Alex Cora survived the cheating scandal and this ownership still brought him back. So the Red Sox would absolutely have to tank uh, and the, the he'd have to lose the locker room entirely for him to be on the heights, the hot seat, but I am bloom. If we have another really bad year in 23. Yeah. I could see it, it being make a break year for him. Absolutely. So the Orioles are intriguing to me uh, as far as a playoff run. I don't know if they're going to hang on to uh, a wild card spot or they might be just out of one right now, but I'm just interested to see what they do at the deadline. I mean, there's rumors that Mancini could be traded. I think that would be sad because not only do I think he could help them this year, I still think Mancini could help them for the next few years. He's not going to get this mega contract from anyone over the winter. Uh, I think at most he might get what Schwarber or um, Nick Castellanos got from the Phillies. So I kind of like his story and I, I just want him to be a lifer in Baltimore. So we'll see if they add, I, I would love it if they brought in another pitcher and just kind of spoiled the party, you know, in the wild card race. But um, they're, they're definitely an interesting team. As far as Cora and Bloom, I could see Alex Cora possibly getting fired after 2023. If, if we're not stellar, you know, if we don't at least make the playoffs, I think Heim Bloom is probably safe through 2024. I think his seat could get hot after 2023, but I certainly don't see him getting fired that quick. If he just completely whiffs again in, in 2024, perhaps, you know, ownership could get fed up, but it's, um, it's far-fetched to me that that could happen early. What was one more? There was one more on there, Jason. Yeah, it was uh, that the Red Sox will finish under 500 this season. Oh, yeah. That's a given. I don't know if we said it on the air in the last show, but I think the Red Sox will end up, assuming that we're going to be missing some players, and that could have already happened by the time this show um, gets uploaded, but I, I think the Red Sox will be in the low 70s, probably 72 wins is I think where we're going to end up. So, so I, I think the Sox will finish under 500. I definitely agree that Corin Bloom will get one more year because of what happened last year, and last year was kind of a foreshadowing for a potential. Oh well, we didn't need to make that many changes because we did really well in 2021. And that's why we didn't make the moves we did in 2022. That's not going to fly for 2023. It, it's it's fight or flight here. We need to fight for it because we need it. Or you both need to find other jobs. And I remember a while ago when Alex Cora was in our, our, our manager, we weren't sure. Not everybody was on board with having him come back. I was not. I did not want him to come back. I think he's a fine man. Just with all of the commotion, all the madness, I didn't think it was the right move. And, well... Looky here. We're not doing that well with him at the helm. Uh, Orioles getting the last wild card spot. I had to do a quick little look-see here. They're going to have to make up three games on Tampa Bay. Is it possible? Sure. Probable? Tampa Bay would have to completely fall apart. And they would have to suffer a major injury to one of their superstar, uh, another, you know, 
star pitcher. Uh, if, if Shane McClanahan can't stay healthy, then I think it's absolutely in the cards. It's absolutely possible. I think that the Baltimore Orioles have an opportunity to beat Chicago. Cleveland is still one that you can't sleep on. Seattle just got incredibly boosted with the addition of Luis Castillo to their rotation. If they don't get it, they're probably going to miss it by a game. And that's the only one of those, the only part of that take that I would say maybe, maybe not. But the other one's absolutely accurate. Absolutely 100% fact. All right. My first hot take comes from Tommy Doyle, and it's actually just more of a question, but here goes. He wants to know what the chances are of the Mets signing Aaron Judge this offseason. Now, depending on who you ask, is he definitely not going to be a Yankee or is he more likely than not going to remain with the Yankees? Like I said, just depends. There are a couple of West coast teams that might find him intriguing. He might find them appealing because that's where he's from. But the interesting thing about the Mets to me is that Hal Steinbrenner can't really compete with Steve Cohen. If Steve Cohen wants him, that number is going to be massive. And Hal Steinbrenner will have to deal with his worst nightmare of drastically overpaying for Judge because Steve Cohen just essentially gave him a blank check. So that's a really interesting thought by Tommy Doyle. I mean, having Lindor, Pete Alonzo, and Aaron Judge all in the same lineup is just absolute insanity to me. And I don't think I don't think Cohen cares about how much it costs. So and Judge might like the idea of just staying in New York. I mean, he doesn't need to move, really. <laughs> You know, he, I don't know where he lives in proximity to Queens where the Mets play, but but I think I think that's what Brian Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner are worried about the most. How much is Steve Cohen willing to pay? And I can't wait to see how that drama unfolds. Is it possible that the Mets sign Aaron Judge? Absolutely, it's possible. Um, I think Steve Cohen would love nothing more than to stick it to the Yankees and take their superstar away from them. Um, and, you know, it's going to be an interesting offseason for them because we saw this weekend, it was, you know, confirmed um, reports confirming that DeGrom still plans to opt out of his contract at the end of the year. So they've got to figure out DeGrom too. And if he just decides he's done and he's going to walk, then that's going to free up a little bit of money. Maybe they use that money to go after Aaron judge. Um, maybe they just, you know, pour, pour all their resources into some offense and they rely on some of their young pitching to come up and, and supplement that. So I think it's entirely possible that they sign Aaron judge. Do I think it's going to happen? I still, I, I don't, I still think judge is going to want to go home. He's going to want to go to a California team, but it's very, very possible that Steve Cohen just opens up the checkbook and says, all right, let's go. Let's stick it to the Yankees. 
I think that judge will end up leaving New York as well, similar to what Jason just said. I think that Aaron Judge to San Francisco makes the most sense because he's going to get to go home, and San Francisco has no major market players. Right now, they're currently looking at potentially shopping uh, Carlos Rodon, uh, among other players. So while it's possible they could go and, and make a big splash for some players right now, I don't see them as a buy team right now. I don't think that the Giants are in any position to try to compete with some of the teams that are are really juggernauts, especially the Dodgers in their division. The Dodgers are absolutely running away with the ALOS, and it's not even close. The, the Giants are 17 games out, 17 and a half games out, excuse me. And as far as the wild card is concerned, they're really not doing enough to get there. They're four games out of the last spot. So I think next year would be an opportunity to refresh we know that the Yankees already made an offer to Aaron Judge, and they were grossly under, similar to how the Red Sox were with Devers, not to compare the two. But this is a guy who's having an absolute career year. Aaron Judge is going to get the bag thrown at him. So is Juan Soto, and so is Rafael Devers. Aaron Judge is projected to hit over 60 home runs for this season, and that's incredible. And honestly, I'm excited to see it because this will be one of the first players I can say that's going to do it the right way without cheating. So if he gets the bag thrown at him and San Francisco's willing to make it happen, have at it. Quick question since Jason brought him up. The DeGrom case is going to be interesting, but do we think the Mets really are that motivated to bring him back after he's missed almost what? Four fifths of a season three-fifths of a season, something like that. It's just, and then what's the likelihood of him getting through the final two months and then potentially a deep postseason run without some sort of a setback? I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets just kind of pass on DeGrom. And I hope, I hope Ein Bloom doesn't, you know, how he looks at injured players. That's That would be a nightmare for us. Because I'll tell you what right now, He's a ticking time bomb to me, and I want no part of him. Yeah, Jacob DeGrom, when he's healthy, is one of, if not the best pitcher in baseball. But like you said, the injury history is ridiculous with that guy. And he's no spring chicken. He's 34. So, you know, would you sign a a mid-30s pitcher who's had nothing but injury problems for most of his career? No. So... I think there's a very real case that the Mets just say, yeah, you know what? We're okay with you walking. We've got enough pitching in our system that's coming up and we've got money to spend. We can go get a pitcher somewhere else. So go sign a mega contract somewhere else. And, you know, let's see how that works out. going to be very interesting to see what happens with DeGrom. Uh, as a, as a fantasy manager, I, I jumped on him last year and I paid for it dearly. I made a trade with a friend of mine and I traded basically three really high picks to get Jacob DeGrom and Terry sitting there smiling. He never ready to threw laugh. a pitch. He never and, threw a pitch. Uh, he didn't throw a pitch for me last year. I, I, I don't remember what the exact move was. I'm actually going to, I'm going to have to go back uh, one season just to take a quick peek at it. Um, it was not good. It was a really bad trade. It did not make my team any better. I traded, um, my fifth, 11th, and 15th pick to get Jacob deGrom, Jose Barrios, and Kyle Farmer. Kyle Farmer really didn't do much. Jose Barrios was the big staple, and deGrom didn't throw a pitch. I gave up some 
talent, including Tanner Houck, which I was really upset about doing, but I need to get it. And I ended up getting three really late round picks. DeGrom, wherever he's going to go, if he can stay healthy, he's going to dominate. It's not going to matter if he goes and stays in New York, although I don't see it happening, especially if the Mets are going to try to pretend like they're now in on one Soto. Uh, I am curious to see where he would go if it's not in New York as far as the Mets. Can I picture him as a Yankee, him cutting the locks and just staying short-haired and, and pitching New York? That would be insane. I just don't think that the, the Yankees are going to go after him just because they already have Garrett Cole. That's it. Noah Syndergaard, on the other hand, maybe he's appealing to the Mets again. It's possible. Having I mean, a, the Angel, Angels are going to sell. Having a decent year. Yeah. Yep. So uh, my take I have here, the first one is from uh, Dump Ump at Dump on the Ump. And uh, this one is Rays miss the playoffs. So I... It's it's not so much a, a crazy hot take right now. They're the third, uh, excuse me, they're third in the AL East, and as far as the wild card is concerned, they are the third team in. So the Cleveland Guardians are one and a half games out. Chicago's two and a half out. Baltimore's three out. Sox are three and a half out. Three and a half, four games out. You really don't have a serious chance at at trying to overcome this. Um, I. I think that Tampa Bay is going to be able to figure out what they need. They will make an addition if they need to. They're not going to sit pack and just not make a move. I think that Tampa Bay will make the playoffs. Uh, this was a team that all of us consistently feel is always going to be there. This isn't, you know, this is like the Yankees and the Blue Jays. Last year we had the Yankees unanimous. This year we had Toronto all the way down. No one picked the Rays uh, for the AL East to win it. But as far as the division was concerned, all of us picked the Rays. Job and I picked them for wild card one. Jason Andrew picked the Rays for the wild card two. And Terry picked the Rays for the wild card three. All three of us thought that the Rays were going to go. And I will continue that run by saying that will not change. He, uh, the, the Rays will be in the playoffs. I... Disagree. Um, I think the Rays will miss the playoffs by by just a little bit. I think they're going to run into the same problem that the Red Sox will have, which is they're not going to be aggressive enough at the deadline to make a difference. Um, they're dealing with a lot of injuries right now. They're basically being propelled forward by guys like McClanahan, who is pitching out of his mind. But if he breaks down at any point, then they're in big trouble. And when you look at the teams around them, Seattle has already made a big move getting Luis Castillo. Um, I think Cleveland, Chicago, Toronto, they're not going to sit idly at the deadline. They're going to make a move if they haven't already, but you know, by the time this comes out. Um, so those teams are going to be aggressive. The Rays, they've never really been an aggressive deadline team. They've made moves, but they've never made that sort of big, like, again, I, like the Luis Castillo trade the, that the, the the Mariners just made, the Rays aren't going to do that. So I just think the teams around them are going to be too aggressive and they're going to beef up and they're going to surpass them. So I think the Rays will end up missing the playoffs, not by much, but they're, they're going to miss. As of right now, 
I'm gonna keep the Rays in the playoffs. I mean, I I think their pitching is is decent enough. Their starting pitching, I think they'll figure out the bullpen. I was just trying to find an update on Wander Franco, but I think he's gonna return at some point uh, in the the last week of August, and I think he'll you know put some energy back into that team. So I could be wrong. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the Indians get in. I wouldn't mind seeing the Orioles get in. The one thing I didn't mention earlier with the Orioles take is they're actually a very likable team, you know, and they weren't, that wasn't the case, you know, when Machado was there and, um, you know, a couple other guys, but, but I just have a feeling they'll, they'll figure it out. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep them in the playoffs. Okay, and my second hot take is going to come from at Harry Fredboy, who says simply, Taco Bell, greater than every fast food restaurant ever. And uh, Harry, love you, man. Thanks for following. You are so dead wrong. Taco Bell is not better than every fast food restaurant out there because McDonald's is still king. Mickey D's still king, still the best there is. Taco Bell is definitely top three. Um, it's certainly top five, probably top three. Taco Bell breakfast, chef's kiss. One of the best there is, if not the best. But sorry, McDonald's for me, still number one overall, uh, you know, first team all pro fast food restaurant. So Taco Bell's close, but not quite there. What do you get at McDonald's? What's your... So, man, this is, oh man, people are going to really judge me for this one. It's usually uh, three quarter pounders with cheese and a 10 piece nugget and like a large iced tea or something. All oh, in yeah, one I, sitting? All in one sitting? Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the chubby guy on this crew. <laughs> what? Yeah. There is absolutely no way. Three quarter pounders, a 10 piece chicken nugget. Are you Joey Chestnut or something? Where are you putting it? (laughs) I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's that good. I'm able to just put it away. Yeah, I can house that in like three minutes tops. Yeah. Terry's already seen me in person. If I had two quarter pounders, you'd be sending my ass to the hospital. I'd be dead. There's no way. Charlie and I had, uh, he, he, he got to Fenway a little bit later, so we just got some of those sausage you know things at the park which were really good especially if, it, if you get the onions and peppers on them but yeah i i mean i stop at mcdonald's a lot myself and i get i get the double quarter pounder meal so it's the biggest sandwich they have and i i feel like a fatty for asking for an apple pie <laughs> to go with it but uh but yeah i mean i got a heck of an appetite yeah but Subway is up there for me. Uh, I mean, I, I like to have a BMT or a, or a footlong tuna. I think I've said this on the podcast uh, fairly recently, but I've developed a big affinity for Bojangles down here. It's a southern chain, and it's all chicken. It's just the whole menu is chicken. And their breading is just a little bit spicy, and I like that. I like it. A little bit of a kick so that's just another fast food one 
I went someplace else recently. Oh, Chick-fil-A is also phenomenal. I went there for the first time the other day. And their sandwiches, I mean, it just, they taste healthier. Like, I don't, like, when I go to McDonald's, I feel like, I'm like, geez, I shouldn't have done that <laughs> as good as it is. But, but yeah, but I, I disagree. I'm not a, I'm not a Taco Bell guy. I wouldn't even put it in my top five. I'm just not a fan of Mexican food for some reason. So I think we've talked about this before. I'm not really a huge fast food person. Um, I don't consider Subway fast food. I don't consider pizza joints fast food. I like Subway. The last time I got McDonald's, I was driving cross country because as both of you guys know, I've, I've spent time here, spent time in California, whenever I would. I, I've driven cross country five times. So it's either Subway or McDonald's. And McDonald's, the last time that I went, I got so sick because I hadn't had it in like two years. And I had the two cheeseburger meal with a Coke and a medium fry. And it did not, it did not agree with my stomach. I had to use not a regular bathroom. I went to a hotel because I felt like this is not going to be a good day. Taco Bell, I've only had three times in my life. And it's okay. I don't understand why people like, like, get super pumped about Taco Bell. It is whatever. Burger King, same thing. Wendy's, I think, makes a great patty. I think McDonald's has the best fries. But as far as the best burgers and uh, like chicken patties and whatnot, I'm probably going Wendy's. Wendy's, uh, when I was in college, they had a a, a spicy chicken sandy, uh, sandy for sandwich, and that thing was nasty. That thing had some hair on it. It was great. And you could definitely have that. You could have two sittings, two meals, and be good. I'm still trying to get over the concept of Jason having three with a 10 spot of nuggets. Jason, you're how tall? 5'10? No, I'm 5'7. Dude, I'm an inch shorter <laughs> than you. How the heck is this possible? I literally can't get over it. Like, I remember the first time I met, uh, when I met Terry, I'm sure Terry's like, damn, this is a short mother. You know what? Uh, there's just. I'm still trying to like conceptualize this in my head. I almost want to pay to see this happen. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy your McDonald's so I can watch this. That'd be actually kind of weird. Maybe not. Do, uh, do you work out, Jason? Like, where does the metabolism come from? Yeah. Oh, I go to the gym four days a week. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's why. That's why. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. I do. Yeah. I, I, uh, I actually just bust it up. Um, so I run and work out 90 minutes every morning. Uh, for work, we do this like inner work competition thing. So I've been kind of getting back into that. 90 minutes. I, I'm probably not going to wake up too early tomorrow morning to do it. So I'll do it after tomorrow. Um, but I just ran nine, ma- nine miles was running just over eight minutes per mile for nine miles, which I thought was pretty good considering, you know, I'm not at like a sub seven or sub eight yet. But I mean, if you want to qualify for a marathon, you have to run as a male in my age bracket, you have to run six minute, 52, five second miles. So I'm off by a minute, 15 seconds per mile. It's incredible what some of these guys are doing. Um, yeah, yeah. You'd be in great shape is what you'd be. Um, back to the original question. Cause we were talking about fast food. I don't think Taco Bell is the best one. So that's, as Jason said, categorically false, just not accurate. Uh, Terry, what was your uh, what was your next take? 
Sticking in the food sector, Will Kwiatkowski says Applebee's is greater than Buffalo Wild Wings. Now, I disagree with that. Buffalo Wild Wings, I don't go to many chain restaurants outside of fast food, but Buffalo Wild Wings is one that I, I might. I was in a hotel for five days uh, because I was playing a bunch of cribbage tournaments, my nerdy hobby, and we uh, ordered Buffalo Wild Wings on DoorDash. And I just, maybe their chicken isn't the greatest, but you've got like 20 or 30 sauces you can you can pick from. I chose not any sauce. I just wanted the the salt and vinegar uh, boneless uh, wings, and those are phenomenal. Um, if I am going to get a sauce, I like the Caribbean jerk because it's it's a medium kick. I could handle um, anything short of ghost peppers. Like I can handle a, a good kick. I don't like to have the spiciest thing because I like to be able to taste the chicken. You know, if my mouth's on fire. Uh, you know, the, you don't taste a whole lot, but I, I like Buffalo Wild Wings. They also have salt and vinegar fries. Apparently, I'm just a salt and vinegar freak, but um, I, I just really enjoy them. And it's a good place to go if there's like a UFC fight or some type of big sporting event. They got TVs everywhere. It's it's a good atmosphere. Tons of beer choices. I just, I like Buffalo Wild Wings. Applebee's is okay. I mean, I've never had a bad meal at Applebee's, but I've already said I'm chubby. And when I'm home, I tend to eat okay and my portions aren't big. But when I'm out, I want the portions to be big because I'm usually at some place that I think is delicious. And I just, I like a decent amount of food. And you don't really get that at Applebee's. Like their biggest steak is probably 10 or 12 ounces, you know, and... They're okay. If the whole group wants to go to Applebee's, I, I won't go in kicking and screaming. But give me Buffalo Wild Wings any day of the week over Applebee's. I agree with the original take. I like Applebee's better than Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm not. I'm not a B Dubs guy. Um, I the only appeal to Buffalo Wild Wings for me is that they show UFC fights, but. Honestly, it's not a comfortable place to watch UFC fights. Like the high tops are uncomfortable. The bar stools are uncomfortable. I think their wings are super overrated. I've had better wings at like local bars around here that just, I don't know. The few times I've been to B-dubs and I've tried a bunch of their different wings, they're like, they always feel too dry to me, no matter what sort of sauce you get or, or whatever you want to throw on there. And like, it's always super loud in there. So even if you do go to watch a UFC fight, it's like they don't have the volume high enough. So you're just hearing like the other bros around you. And it's just, <laughs> it's way too loud. And at least Applebee's not in Massachusetts because we have stupid draconian drinking laws in this state. But Applebee's has a pretty killer happy hour in other states where you're allowed to have happy hour. So I like it for that. I'm not saying that Applebee's is like, the greatest by any means it's you know i think applebee's is like low tier to me but that's how lowly i think of buffalo wild wings like buffalo wild wings is like way down for me it's like it's it's at like hooters level so um i'll i'll take applebee's over b dubs just because i think it's a tinge better but these aren't great options either way let's be honest 
if we're talking about fries, I think that Applebee's has the best fries, best fries. And uh, I don't have to go too, too far to get Applebee's if I want to. It's just a, you know, probably 10 minute drive next state over. And there's an Applebee's on the restaurant strip. So Buffalo Wild Wings isn't as trashy as Hooters. Um, but I'm still going to take Applebee's over Buffalo Wild Wings because you don't get these drunken fools cheering over like the wrong team because sometimes they're cheering and they're so drunk they don't know which team they're cheering for, which is just weird. You don't get that kind of class at, at Applebee's. It's more like a family restaurant and you can enjoy a game at the bar if you want to. And people don't act all rowdy and inappropriate and crazy. And it's definitely a place that you can bring your children, not have to worry about someone dropping the F-bomb or something stupid. So I think Applebee's is definitely the winner for me too. I'm in the minority, but that's good. I'm good with that. Yeah. Sorry about so, my computer for the audience. It keeps throwing up these stupid. I can't get through an episode without something popping up, but all good. Uh, we got one more, I believe, since we've uh, we've each done two. I'll be closing this one out. Uh, this is coming from Justin Gabbard at Justin Gabbard eighty seven. Tendy will flounder in New York, but flourish with another team. So so far this year, Andrew Benintendi hasn't been a rock star for the New York Yankees since getting traded from the Kansas city Royals. He started off 0 for four in his first game with a strikeout. Didn't get on base. Wasn't able to get anything done. Uh, since then he's one for six with a single two RBIs, six walks. So he's one for 10 with six walks. He's, he's seeing the ball really well. And uh, that's something that I think we need to give him a little credit for. He's only struck out twice. So, or excuse me, once. Uh, I don't believe he struck out today. So in 10 at-bats, he has six walks. He has one hit, pair of RBIs. He's doing fine. Do I think he's going to do better with another team? I think that the – I don't think he's going to flounder. I think he's just making his adjustments, and he's going to be fine. I think that Andrew Benintendi, we now see who he is. We're going to see Andrew Benintendi be this singles-doubles guy. He's not going to do anything crazy. He's going to do his job, get singles, get doubles, get on base – hit a couple more home runs. He's, he, he's got Yankee Stadium now, which is not really a Major League Baseball park. Right field is kind of a joke. Aaron Judge is slinging him out left and right. And albeit, I don't think all those home runs are cheap, but a couple of them are cheapies at uh, Yankee Stadium. Uh, if he strokes it to right field, joke. Left or center, decent size home run. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and stick with that, that I think Tendy will write the ship. I don't think that he's going to be lousy New York and, and do great in another team. I think he will make the adjustments and do fine. Yeah. I think flounder is too strong. Um, I don't think he's going to flounder in New York. He's going to be a good player for them. Um, it's still very early. You know, he, he's only played a handful of games there, so they've got a long way to go. The Yankees uh, will be playing playoff baseball, so he'll have a chance to make an impact in the playoffs as well. Um, and you're right. This is who he is. He's a singles doubles guy. He's not a home run hitter. Obviously having the short porch at Yankee stadium will help him. He'll probably double his home run total just from playing in that stupid ballpark. Um, but I don't think he's, he's not going to flounder there. He's going to be good. He's going to hit towards the bottom of their order because their lineup is just so disgusting, but he's going to help. I don't see him obviously as a career Yankee. I, I think that the second part of that take where he'll flourish somewhere else. I think that's more accurate. That's more sort of what I think will happen. 
I could see Benintendi being a small market, good player. Like I could see him playing for Cleveland or Cincinnati. You know, he's from Ohio. Maybe he wants to go home and play for one of those teams. Um, and just being a good, solid number six, number seven hitter. Like I said, you know, he's going to hit close to 300 every year. He's going to be productive. You know, he's, he's going to have a good long career. He's just not going to be a hall of famer or anything like that. He's just going to be solid. So I don't think he's going to fail in New York, but I do see him going to a smaller market team after this and being a little bit more comfortable in that sort of setting and really finding his footing there. I think a team that he could end up with next year is the Detroit Tigers. I think AJ Hinch is just a huge Andrew Benatendi guy. Uh, he, you know, he made comments several times after that game ending catch where he made that very dramatic diving play. I f- forget which game of the 2018 ALCS that was. I want to say it was the next to last game. And, um, Hinch pointed out that he saw Benintendi at the very last second adjust his position out and left. And that's what enabled him to ultimately make that catch. So I think the Tigers is going to be a possible destination for him. And that's not a home run friendly park. And if you already resigned to the fact he's not going to hit many anyway, why the hell not? As far as the Yankees go, the good news for Benintendi is they can kind of hide him on that team. There's just superstars everywhere. He's got Judge out there. Stanton plays outfield sometimes when he's not DHing. Um, you got DJ LeMayhew, Glaber Torres on the infield. Tons of ways to hide him. They've got the Yankees have good pitching. So I think that's really not a bad situation for Benintendi. I, I'm not going to root against him because there will always be a special place in my heart for him. This isn't like a Johnny Damon situation in New York, but I am kind of rooting for him to not be an impact, <laughs> if that makes sense. I just don't want that coming back to haunt us. And that's another move that Bloom possibly didn't get right. At the time, I didn't really blame him. It was kind of a now or never uh, move. So I'm not going to roast him for it like we were with Hunter Renfro in the last episode, but um, this is a good opportunity for Ben Intendi at the last minute to boost that value as he heads into free agency because it, it took a hit the last couple of years in Boston, played very well in Kansas City. And um, like I said, this is a good opportunity for him to get a decent contract this winter. From the Tigers. Absolutely. Uh, it's It'll be interesting to see where he ends up because could I see him long-term in New York? I don't think so. I actually do think this is just kind of like a stopgap fix. I think the Yankees will go out and get a, a bigger bat. Uh, Joey Gallo is a, is a black hole out in the outfield. He strikes out a ridiculous amount. He just did not live up to the expectations, and I think he admittedly so said it like he stunk this year he did not get the job done um it would be interesting to see him back with hinch it would be interesting to see a couple of teams like could i see him back in boston that would be an insane reunion after everything full circle franchi's gone we bring back benintendi we give him 
two-year deal and he becomes an everyday outfielder. I don't know. I think that'd be a little bit far-fetched. I'm probably alone on that one, but still interesting to think about. I, I think he's going to get a five-year deal somewhere in that neighborhood. That seems to be what the the mid-tier outfielders are getting right now. Yep. Uh, Jason, anything that you want to add? No, I, I just kind of like what you guys are saying. Yeah, I think Benintendi's going to earn himself a four-year or five-year deal. Um, and again, it you know, Detroit makes a lot of sense. You know, what Terry brought up, that that would be a good spot for him. Um, you know, especially if he can find that deep gap out there in, in right center. He's got speed, so he can become like a triples king if, <laughs> if it comes down to it. So I wouldn't mind seeing him there. That'd be a good landing spot for him. For sure. Cool. Uh, Terry, anything else you want to add after that? I think I covered it all. Right on. Well, I want to thank you both, uh, Jason and Terry, for joining me for another episode of Hot Takes. Uh, We want to thank all of our dedicated and loyal listeners and followers for sending us their takes. And thank you all for listening to us wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We thank you, we appreciate you, and we look forward to communicating with you real soon. Everyone have a great night. Take care.